Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible, open up to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to be in verses 23 through 25 this morning. 1 Thessalonians 5 verses 23 through 25. As you're opening up there, I just want to say uh, what a wonderful Christmas it's been with all of you here uh, this year at First Baptist Church. And this is a little different normally, like, like uh, Nathan mentioned earlier. Normally we're in the fellowship hall, and yet it's kind of a hard time to fellowship like we like to fellowship with good breakfast and hugging necks and all that kind of thing that we like to do as a church. And so we weren't able to do that this year, but it's also pleasant. We get, we get one extra Sunday of Christmas here with our beautiful decorations and a nice Sunday morning, and so it's a good thing. And then we're also able to be on television this way as well, so we're excited about that. Uh, I want to mention next Sunday, I, I, I plan to preach a, a sermon that reflects on all that God has done and looks forward to what God will do here at First Baptist Church. And so I want to encourage you to be here. We've called these kinds of days vision days and things like that in the past, but uh, this is basically what, what we'll do next Sunday as we uh, conclude one year and begin the next. We'll reflect on those things. Um, and yet this week we will look to prayer first. Um, and part of what I'll say next week and what I would say to you even now is, is nothing that God does in the coming years at First Baptist Church will be done apart from the work of prayer. And so it's a good thing for us each year as we conclude the year uh, to have this prayer emphasis Sunday. It's one of my favorite days of the year. And to look uh, to the Lord in prayer and to hear from the Lord about prayer in His Word. If you have your Bibles open there, why don't you go and stand with me out of reverence for the reading, the words of our God. Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in such a way that as the words on this page are being read, God himself is speaking to us. Beginning in verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Brothers, pray for us. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, our God, we pray that you would open our hearts and minds today to receive your word. And God, we would see the beauty today of the way that your sovereignty and our responsibility are beautiful friends. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Once someone asked Charles Haddon Spurgeon how it was that he might reconcile the sovereignty of God, that is God's control over all things, and the responsibility of man, that is the fact that we are free agents, free moral agents, we're able to do and act according to our own wills in so many ways. How is it then, they asked Spurgeon, that you reconcile those two things? I'm sure many of you have wondered about this, right? Spurgeon famously replied, I wouldn't try. I never reconcile friends. And I hope you'll see the point that he is trying to make. This is part of what we struggle with as Christians. And it's certainly a way that our limited, finite minds cannot comprehend God. That we come to a passage even like this. And we say, if God is sovereign, then what will be, will be. It's easy sometimes for people to sort of take God's sovereignty and absolutize it and, and go too far with it and become a sort of fatalist about the sovereignty of God. What we do doesn't matter, they might say, and it certainly doesn't seem to matter if we pray. 
And yet on the other end, some might say we need to work and strive and get after it because it all depends on us if anything is going to get done. God's given us a great commission and it's up to us to fulfill it. And listen, this morning, we, we're not going to unravel all these mysteries today, okay? If you ever hear a preacher that says he will in one Sunday morning, you might want to uh, run before they ask you to move into a school bus buried somewhere around the property. You know, you might be, you might be edging up into a cult and you don't even know it yet. And, uh, but I, I won't claim to be able to perfectly explain this, this biblical tension today. But I, I can say that I think we can think through what it means for us to be a people who have a high view of God, and I hope we do, and I have a high view of God's sovereignty. I think you guys know this about me. I, I believe that God is a big God. I believe God's in control. I think we can have supreme confidence, confidence that what God says He will do, He will do. I think, we can, I think we can be the sort of people who love that, and yet, at the same time, I think we ought to be and must be a people of action, and even more importantly, a people of prayer. I don't think we have to choose between the two things. I don't think we have to reconcile the friends. And so I, I want to show you three truths this morning that will help point you and lead you to the reality that the work of the gospel is fueled by prayer. And that God's sovereign work through us and through our lives and through what He's called us to do is so often accomplished through prayer. So three, three truths I think that will help you with this from these three verses. Here's the first. God sovereignly accomplishes His will. When God wants to do something, guess what? He does it. No, nothing can stand in God's way. Nothing uh, stands athwart God in His purposes. Notice what the Bible says. Even uh, you know we, we so often like to think about God's sovereignty in the big picture of things. right? We, we always I, I remember one time I was a summer missionary in Warland, Wyoming, and a gentleman in the church uh, who, who also happened to live with their family over the summer, he, he asked me one, one week, he said, you know, I just sometimes wonder about God's sovereignty, and the dog ran up in his lap. He's like, did God plan that? I mean, did God just plan everything? And, and while I do certainly think that there's nothing that happens outside the control of God, so often we think about God's sovereignty exclusively in the big picture, and we often forget about how intimately involved God is in making us like Him. Notice what the Bible says. He, he's involved in your life. Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely. Now you're striving to be holy, aren't you, Christian? I sure hope you are. And yet what does the Bible say? That God Himself will sanctify you completely. And, and that, that, I, I, don't, I don't think this is teaching a sort of let go and let God theology where we passively become more like Jesus. I think we work. I think we act. I think there's work to be done. And yet we never forget that it's God who's working through us. May God, hit, oh, the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body, that is everything you've got, you don't have anything that God doesn't want to keep blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in verse 24, he says it so plainly. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. This gives us peace, doesn't it? I, I hope it gives you peace. It gives me peace. Peace. We, we receive peace in knowing that the Lord will accomplish His will. Isn't that a good thing to think about? God will do it. He will surely do it, the Bible says. And so often I think, I don't know about y'all, 
so often I like to wring my hands a little bit. Any other hand wringers in the house? I, don't, I won't make you raise your hand because then you'll worry that people are judging you all day today. <laughs> Any other hand? I'm a hand wringer sometimes, not all the time. And I know some hand wringers and some folks that worry a lot. And, and oftentimes what they're worried about is they feel like things are all on them, don't they? I've had some days as your pastor where I've worried my tail end off. I've just worried to death. Lord, will we get where we're supposed to go? Are we going to do what we're supposed to do, Lord? Are, are you going to show yourself faithful in this area, God? Am, 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 I going to, am I going to be so terrible as a pastor, you know, and never do any better than I'm doing right now or whatever else? But each and every moment where we find ourselves worrying and wringing our hands and afraid and fearful, I hope and pray that you'll be reminded, He will surely do it. It doesn't mean we sit on our hands, but it does mean we stop wringing them. It means we trust God. It gives us peace in knowing that He is in control. And yet it also gives us confidence. It gives us confidence in the work that we're called to. The Lord goes before us. The Lord is at work. Notice how Paul talks about in Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 and 29. And uh, If somebody asked me and made me say, hey, what's your life verse? What verse do you want to define your life as a minister of the gospel verses 28 and 29 of Colossians chapter 1 would be the passage I would point anyone to here's what Paul says him we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ now verse 29 for this I toil Paul says struggling he says with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. You see the confidence that we have in Christ? That we want to do unthinkable things as Christians. God has called us to do impossible things as Christians. And indeed, they are impossible, except that with, all, with God, all things are possible. We work, we toil, we struggle, and yet in the midst of our work and toil and struggle, God is working with His energy powerfully within us in such a way that as we go about our lives doing what God has called us to do, by His power, He is sustaining us in the work. Now, if that doesn't give you confidence, I don't know what does. I can't go, Lydia's got an amazing evangelism emphasis dialed up for us this year. You might say, I can't do all this stuff that Lydia's got. For me to do this year, to go pray for this person and then have this person over for dinner and invite this person to church. I, what if they say, no, I'm afraid? He will surely do it. Oh, don't you have confidence in the Lord? Don't you see the way that there's a rock-solid assurance that comes from knowing and trusting a sovereign God? Don't forget this beautiful verse. He will surely do it. He who has called you is faithful. He will surely do it. And yet, second of all, God calls His people to pray. Now, I love the way these two verses kind of back up against each other. They don't make sense to the human mind. They don't make sense to the flesh, do they? What do they say? He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. God himself is going to sanctify you completely. And your whole spirit and soul and body is going to be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. God's going to do it. Brothers, pray for us. 
Do you see that juxtaposition? He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. He will surely do it. God is in control. God is sovereign. God is at work. God is going to do it. Brothers, pray for us. This is one more biblical reminder that God wants His people to pray. God wants His people to pray. First of all, God delights in the prayers of His people. It's something God loves. Have you ever gotten on somebody's nerves? So, so, so I have, believe it or not. I know it's hard for y'all to believe. <laughs> Especially when I was a kid, you know. I'm not as annoying and obnoxious now, but back then I was. Um, <laughs> all the people who live with me, they're home today, uh, but... Uh, they're all rolling their eyes at home right now. And all the people that work with me are probably rolling their eyes behind me right now. Um, I've, I've sort of been joking. We're, we've, we're in exile right now down in the nurseries for our offices. Because our office is being remodeled. And uh, I was going to be on the other side of the building. And finally I said, no, that's, that, that won't work because I can't go pester everybody in their offices if I'm on the other side of the building. I've got to be close by. But, but I've, I've annoyed people. You've annoyed people. And you may finally, you know that moment like when you're trying to get customer service to do something for you or you're trying to find out if this person's going to come work on this thing at your house this day or whatever. You know, there's everybody's got a different threshold for this, but finally there's that one call and you think, I'm about to get on their nerves with this one. Now some of y'all, that might be call 11. You know, you don't, you've not noticed it until then. For me, it's like call number three. Call number three, I'm like, I'm about to drive them crazy. And, and then I'll tell my wife, well, we're paying them, you know, so we'll just do it. Sometimes I think that's how we feel about prayer. You ever feel like that about prayer? Like maybe, maybe you just feel like you're getting on God's nerves a little bit. You know, I can't just keep talking to him about this. I can't just keep bringing this to the Lord. He, he, you know, he's going to be so fed up with me bringing this up. But the Bible tells us throughout the scriptures, and in particular in the book of Proverbs, the Bible says that the Lord delights in the prayers of his people. You can't get on the Lord's nerves. You can't request too much from them. Several years ago when the kids were smaller, I told Whitney I was going to get one of those dog bowls that you put water in the top and it drips down. I'm going to put apple juice in that. That way the kids just quit asking for apple juice. They just have it all the time. They just go dip a cup full of it right there out of the dog bowl. Aren't you glad that God's a better father than I am? Aren't you glad? He is. He delights in the prayers of His people. He wants you to make your requests known to Him. The Lord wants you to pray to Him. And, and furthermore, God transforms His people by their prayers. In other words, so often we're so fixated on trying to change God's mind in prayer that we forget that so often God's changing our mind through prayer. God's forming us into His image. He's making our soul line up with His soul. You might say, well, that doesn't seem fair. Don't you know that God knows all things? God knows better than you do. And that's not to say that the Lord doesn't hear and answer our prayers. I, I believe He does 100%. But so often, the process of prayer is more about us aligning with God than God aligning with us. Several years ago around here, uh, a door got locked or something that wasn't supposed to be locked. And somebody told me later, and they were being precious about it. Nobody's being ugly or anything. But I said, you know, I'm so sorry. I can't, I, I can't control everything around here. And they said, I know that, preacher. I said, I know that. I know that. And I said, and, and if I could, things would be a lot worse than they are. 
But God's not like that. God's not like that. God is perfect. God is good. If we would just listen to Him and do what He asks, things would be better. He's not like us. He's great. He's good. He knows all things. He's perfectly wise. My friends, God loves it when you pray. God wants us to pray. He's sovereign, but He wants us to pray. He will surely do it. Brothers, pray for us. And from one last direction, let's look at this passage. The third point is this. 2021's gospel work will be fueled by prayer. The gospel work in the next year and for the rest of our lives. And we've been here for 160-something years here at First Baptist Gadsden. And for the next 160 years and beyond, the gospel work of this church will be fueled by prayer. We can never stop and think for one moment that it's our good works, that it's our wisdom, that it's our greatness, that it's our abilities, that it's any of those things. If it's going to get done, God's going to do it. If it's going to be glorious, God's going to do it. The work of the gospel is fueled by prayer. Our work has to be fueled by prayer. And I think all of us have just a sense of excitement right now. First Baptist Church, I do. I, I've got just a sense of excitement. I hear that from a lot of y'all. Um, I, I, I hear that from a lot of you, that you just feel a real sense of, the, of a movement of God in our church. We can just tell that God's at work, that God's up to something. And I'm excited about where we're headed. I think you guys know me well enough to know that it, it don't take a lot to get me excited. And I'm extremely excited right now about what the Lord's doing and where we're going and where we're headed. My friends, we're foolish to think. We're foolish to think that we will get where we need to be apart from prayer. And we've had some seasons of desperate prayer in our church, haven't we? I mean, we've had some days and weeks and months where we felt like we had to pray, haven't we? Oh, God, please, please, Lord. Some of us even at different times have prayed, God, save our church. And yet, when things start to get better, sometimes we can forget. We can get lax. We can become accustomed, used to God working in a certain way. And we can forget those seasons of desperate prayer before the Lord. And yet, I want to encourage you this morning, if nothing else today, be vigilant in prayer. Don't stop praying for God to work in your church. Don't stop praying for God to to work in your life. Don't stop praying for your pastor and your ministers and your staff. Don't stop praying that God would bind the devil from this place. Don't stop praying that the gospel would go forth in power. Don't stop praying that we would have a rock-solid, steely commitment to the Word of God as the power of God unto salvation. Don't stop for a moment praying that we would never be ashamed of the gospel, but would preach it with boldness at every turn. Don't stop praying that the Spirit would breathe life into our worship services and into our church and into our programs and into our outreach and into our evangelism, into our mission trips, into all that we do. Pray, pray, pray that God would be at work. The gospel work of 2021 and beyond will be, not might be, not maybe, but definitely will be fueled by prayer. And some of you are kept at home, not just 
by the coronavirus, but just life circumstances. Some of you on TV watching right now have felt like perhaps you're not as much of a part of what God's doing as you used to be when you were able to be here and had the energy and the vitality that you miss so much. And yet I believe with all my heart that some of the most vital work of First Baptist Church is done by precious saints who cannot darken the doors. Who, when the Lord puts this church on their heart, they can't come, they can't serve, but buddy, they can pray. And I won't for a moment think that you have to be of able body and able to get into the Lord's church for Him to use you in His work. And I just, I want you to know if you can't do all that you wish you could do, you can do more than anyone else can do if you will dedicate yourself to prayer. Sustaining the work of this church. My friends, I pray that we won't only be the sort of people who pray for our church, but that we will also pray for the work of the gospel around the world. We've got missionaries and seminaries and church plants and relief work and all sorts of things happening all around the world and they desperately need prayer support. Did you hear the emphasis that both of the missionary couples that I interviewed put on prayer? Both of them. Both of them said specifically, pray. prayer is the work. Prayer is the work. God will surely do it, you say. And indeed, He will. And yet the ask in the heart of those who are here and those who are around the world is brothers, pray for us. My friends, God is in control. He's sovereign. He will surely do it. He who has called us is faithful. He will surely do it. But He delights in the prayers of His people. And we must know that in the past and today and in 2021 and in 2030 and in 2040, one of these days in 2100 when I might not even have my picture on the wall. You know, who knows? Who knows? They may have decided to take that goofy-looking guy down by then. Decades and decades and decades from now, we'll recognize that the work of the gospel at First Baptist Church and beyond will be fueled by prayer. Brothers, pray for us. He will surely do it. He who has called you is faithful. He will surely do it. Brothers, sisters, saints of God, pray for us. I want to give you some moments this morning to respond to the Lord before we're dismissed in just a few moments. You take this time now, if you've never trusted in Jesus for the first time, to come to Him indeed by prayer. Ask Him to save your soul. I believe you'll turn from your sins in repentance and turn to God in faith through Jesus Christ. I believe with all my heart you will be saved. After the service, I'd love to talk to you if you have some questions about that before you're ready to make that decision. Second of all, you may be a believer and you may say, Pastor, I just need some time to pray. You just pray right exactly where you are. And while the altar is still closed right now just for uh, COVID purposes, nonetheless, you can pray exactly where you are and the Lord will hear you. And finally, you may be looking for a church home. 
When we're done today, I'd love to talk to you about what it means for you to be a member here at First Baptist Church. After this prayer, I want to invite you to come. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, our God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his gospel. And God, we thank you for the privilege of prayer that will fuel the work of the gospel in this year and beyond. And God, we pray that we would see that as our calling. And Lord, that the work of prayer would be on our hearts each and every day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.